It's time to, to pay it forward. I'm Stephen Leo Pay It Forward. I'm here with Leo. What's going on, y'all? And I'm here with Bleacher Report's own host of Untold Stories, Sneakerhead. Talk come on. Me. Texas come on. Finest. Uh, come on. Come on. Master Tesfazion. There we go. What's good with you, man? Ah, Appreciate man. you having me on, man. Ah. Thank you, man. How you feeling? I'm living good, bro. Living good. How y'all living? <laughs> we good, man. Yeah. And we're in a, we just, yeah, we can't complain. Just enjoying each day as as they as they come along. Yeah. This is this day keeps dragging along for the last three days, but it's all good. You know what I'm saying? We're still trying to make the most of this shit. I watched this, this is the longest select I, I went to sleep early the night of the election thinking, all right, I won't I won't deal with any uh anxiety, no stress. Just to <laughs> just to deal with the same amount <laughs> of anxiety uh, and stress. Yeah, there's so many people I know who try to do the same ass strategy, like, nah, self-care. I ain't I ain't fucking with none of that shit. I'm gonna go play video games, I'm gonna go smoke weed, and I'm going to bed at 9 p.m. Yeah. And all this will be resolved, and I gotta deal with this shit. Well, guess what, motherfuckers? We mm-hmm. still here trying to figure out who the fuck is counting these votes in Nevada. I, the votes can't. I live in the most technologically, allegedly technologically advanced country in the world, and we've been counting for three days. Yo. <laughs> This niggas is count crazy. by hand, bro. Hey, remember them little uh, grip thumb things that people used to do 20 <laughs> years ago, bro? Like, they got one of them on each one of their 80-year-old grandmother's fingers, bro. <laughs> it's like, this is the most basic thing we need to do. Just count. That's all you have. How how is the how's the quarantine been treating you, brother? How's <laughs> you didn't want to go on that tangent? Because listen, listen, bro. Before we even start, when people start talking about the ballots was rigged and stuff like that and they don't believe in the paper ballots i was like you know if they can get rid of paper ballots they can do the same with computers because we only know what they tell us bro absolutely i I think if there's an app-based voting thing that's like the worst case scenario bro like these motherfuckers can barely keep my access and my information secure what the fuck you think they can keep this an election on an app secure bro like and plus Bro, sneakers app crashes every single goddamn time we try to log in that motherfucker. What you think gonna happen on election day, bro? With us, all of us trying to get on one app. Because you know we all gonna do it at the same time. Exactly, man. That shit dead. And I, I, I just know we don't really know the numbers. Like we only know what they show us and what they tell us. They can say whoever won won. I don't, I don't know if I ever believe what they tell us. Can I share? Can I share my my odd conspiracy? Go ahead. Go ahead. I think they already have the answer, and they're just drawing it out like a like a reality TV show. A three part season finale special. I think they know, yeah, and they just like you know what we got nothing better to do. Let's let's keep them here till Friday. <laughs> let's keep these ratings dragged down. You know what? Hey, here's the part I'm gonna get in this conspiracy theory shit too. Okay, go. I'm rolling. Some of these counties are taking too goddamn long. And I wonder how much that has to do with, with A, Republican governors, and also counties wanting to be the ones that, like, yo, we decide the election. What's up? What's good? We the ones that did this shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. like ain't nobody give a fuck about your county ever at all in this lifetime, except for this one moment. And I think there's a lot of people trying to be attention hogs right now in the moment. Trying to get Anoka put on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're going to learn how to spell this, Anoka. 
Ooh, like there's there's no other reason or explanation why Nevada been taking self care days for the last two days now, and not even trying to even pick up these fucking votes and figure out what the fuck going on. Okay. Pennsylvania, like the Pennsylvania shit, kind of makes sense. It kind of really don't though. You know what I'm saying? Like like obviously it deals with a lot of issues that were going on before this that caused them not not to be able to be in positions where they could count these things up. But other states had similar issues. And we already done figured that shit out. And we got it. We got that shit together. So we really shouldn't be dealing with it. We shouldn't be looking at a day four. Nah. Like, if this shit drags on to the weekend, at some point, like, we really got to ask ourselves, like, you, what the you're fuck gonna, You're going to remember You're gonna remember this moment. I'm telling you, it's a TV series. Bro, I, but look, this is the last time I'm watching cable news. Period. <laughs> like, by 2024, like, this, this election coverage better be on Twitch or some shit. You feel me? Like, Snapchat or somebody... Better give me the results. Give me how I need to get it. Get it quack, quick, instant. I don't need to hear Van Jones on my fucking TV telling me I need to forgive Trump. I don't need to hear none of this shit no more. You want it on an IG live stream? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Put on verses, bro. There Swiss you go. Simple as go ahead. Like, I'll be waiting for the results. Go ahead and get Jeezy and T.I. doing some rap battles in between. Ah, you know what I'm saying? Like, there you go. <laughs> keep me entertained on some shit that I actually care about instead of Van Jones' opinion. <clears throat> I think, I, oddly enough, I do think a future like that is on the way, but that's neither here nor there at the Where's moment. Um, go ahead, Steve. My fault. No, go, go ahead, ahead go ahead, go ahead. Your ex, um, your ex master. How was COVID treating him? Yeah, no. How the pit- how's the quarantine been treating you? Yeah, has I, it affected I, you? Look, COVID, COVID, COVID's been a good time to just like chill. You know, like, I feel like if you're not using this time to just kind of, like, sit back and just reassess yourself, you're really wasting this fucking time. Um, so, I mean, that's that's pretty much what I've been doing, where, I mean, I'm usually accustomed to traveling, like, weekly or just being out and about somewhere, you know what I'm saying? And, I mean, I've, I've probably traveled twice, and they were both work trips, and it was literally for probably one day, and I didn't leave my hotel room, you know what I'm saying, to shoot, right. shoot some untold stories episodes. But beyond that, bro, like, I've... I've I left New York. I was there for three years. It was a I'm, a I'm a Texas boy, so it was a tumultuous relationship between myself and this city. Uh, I, but when I left, I, you know, I started really appreciating it, really understanding, like, oh, this is cool. I just never was one of those people that, like, I got to move to New York. I want to be part of the energy and shit like that. Like, I'm not, I don't move like that. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? But, you know, life took me to that position. Work took me to that position. And I'm never one to just kind of back down from the situation. I'm not, I feel, because of, of feeling uncomfortable, you know? But with COVID, it just made a lot of sense to come back home, especially with a lot of people that I knew in New York, just a lot of people I knew whose, whose parents passed away because of COVID. And that just hit me, man, because it's like I've been away from my folks on a day-to-day basis for 11 years now. And the idea that they could just be taken away because a bunch of motherfuckers were irresponsible and didn't want to stay home, that's where I was like, I, I got to come back home and like catch up on lost time, but also just like enjoy the, these moments because... You know, obviously we all die at some point and just being able to understand that, like, enjoying these moments that I have with my parents is going to be a very fulfilling experience, not just now, but also in the long term. So, you know, I'm back back in Texas, posted up, not paying state tax, <laughs> dollars on rent a month for a fucking two bedroom apartment. Uh, and I'm just, I'm Sound chilling, like Atlanta. Man. Yeah, hey, man. Yeah. Well, it's, Atlanta with, with Atlanta without state tax. Yeah, bro, it's 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 been great, man. It's been it's been really really good, man. How, how's y'all's how's y'all's quarantine going? Uh, well, honestly, I haven't quarantined because I work and I work in a, a field that requires me to be outside every single day. Damn, yeah, I feel every, that. Yeah, so I'm outside every day. 
So I haven't really quarantined. My life hasn't really changed besides seeing friends more often and going to gyms and stores and stuff like that. But outside of that, I'm outside every day. Like, my routine really hasn't changed. And especially when my CrossFit gym opened back up, my life was literally the same. You back on it? I remember, like, there was one time when you would just be... Every morning, I'd be up on a post. I'd be like, damn, this motherfucker at the gym. Like, you was... That was... Bruh, that was um that was that was twenty seventeen. That was probably twenty seventeen was probably the best year of my life. But yeah. I I used to wake up at five, four to go to the gym at five, and I, I was going them, crazy. Man. I would see them shits. You post like a music song or a track or some shit. I'd be yeah. like, all right, go ahead, bro, do your thing. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know who else listening to uh Young Jeezy at five in the morning, bro. But you want one? I don't know what it yeah, is. Yeah, I, I can't find that motivation no more. I don't yeah. know what it was about that that time, but it was like a set schedule where I just knew I was going to do this, this, and this. I was going to work out from 5 a.m. to 6.30, shower at 6.30, leave for work at 7, leave the gym for work at 7, get to work at 8, get off at 4.30, 5 o'clock, go home, do it all over the next day. And that was that was that was fun to me, you know? Yeah, and I don't know what happened. I think I moved or something, but I got out of that routine. That's the hard man. That, keeping a routine is harder than creating one, bro. Like I'm, I'm fully convinced now. You can always create any sort of routine that you have, but maintaining that shit and the consistency of that shit, that shit's a motherfucker. I'm trying, to, and I'm talking about that because I'm trying to find a routine right now in Texas, and it's been hard trying to eat clean. Because when I was in New York, I was juicing. You know what I'm saying? Doing my runs and shit. I was doing good shit. I come back down to Texas, bro. This text makes calling my name. I ain't eating nothing. <laughs> Queso, get some gravy. Every single meal I order to go comes with chips and salsa. So the whole fucking crib right now got like 10 jars of salsa and chips and shit. Like, and, and like, I don't even be eating that shit. But then like, you know, game beyond, you're like, fuck it. I got chips and salsa. Let me go ahead and just, yeah. you know, pour one up and just eat some chips and salsa. We good. Like, it's, it's, it's been bad. <laughs> I got to get back on my shit. <laughs> what about um, you, Leo? Oh, well, uh, I'm a new father. I became a new father a month before the, thank you, before the lockdown. So I've had nothing but time to spend with my, my daughter during during COVID. And it's been really interesting watching a human grow. So I've been watching her grow. And I guess, like you've been saying, uh, taking time for a lot of introspection. You know, looking at self and, and, and seeing where I could excel, change, grow, stuff like that. That's what's up, bro. What's her name? Her name is Liliana. That's what's up. That's a beautiful name, bro. Thank you. Congratulations, man. Thank you, man. Thank you. You know, as a godfather, you know, it's hard. (laughs) You know, it's hard for you know, it's hard for us dads. You know, (laughs) I appreciate that. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's hard. It's a beautiful thing to see a baby grow on Facetime. You know, just (laughs) it's hard. It's hard. Steve, Steve, you'll see your goddaughter soon. I promise. Master, what's good, man? Growing up in Irvin, Texas. Oh yeah, born Dallas, raised in Irvin. When did sports writing kick in for you? Man, shit. I'm not one of those that was like, I wanted to do this all my life because motherfuckers around me was not doing these kind of jobs. Right. To be honest, everybody was working nine to fives, trying to make it maintain, trying to do their thing. So uh, th- these opportunities weren't really presented to me. They weren't even like a thought or a conversation. But I always loved sports, man. Like, I just posted a picture of me as a kid, like, four or five years old just today. 
you know, watching the Cowboys. And I like I, that's my first memory is literally Super Bowl 30. And ever since then, it's just been this this life that's kind of always centered around sports and in some capacity. Um, senior high school is really when this shit really hit off. Uh, my teacher was like, so I backtrack in high school. I'm like everybody else in Texas. I want to play football. Hurt my knee sophomore year. That shit gets fucked up. Clearly, I'm not doing this shit. Guys calling for me. Not, that ain't it. But I didn't know what else to do. Felt very li- limited and narrow my, and, and naive in my options. Senior high school, my teacher, one morning before his class starts, just kind of sits me up. He's like, hey, let's have a conversation about your future. I'm like, all right. Like, so what you want to do? And I said, look, man, I'm thinking about these two options, okay? And I think you can understand this one growing up in the South. I said, uh, either I'm going to join the military or yeah. I'm going to become a comedian because okay. Dave Chappelle just walked away from $50 million. And I, I may not be worth $50 million, but I've never heard of a black man being worth $50 million to make people laugh. Right. And I can crack a couple of jokes, you know what I'm saying? Like if I hit up, you know, Tuscaloosa, you know what I'm saying? You know, hit up hit up uh, all these little small Florida, Panama City, you know what I'm saying? I could scrap up at least 90 k a year. And to <laughs> me, that was double the amount of money that my parents was making. Right. So, so in high school, in 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 your senior year of high school, you you were confident enough in self to to know to believe you were funny enough to make a living off of that. Ninety k worth, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I respect hey, it. There's, there's levels of this shit. You feel no, me? Like, I, absolutely. No, I hear you. Know what I'm like, hey, because again, to me, my parents at the time probably making forty forty five k combined. So you tell a motherfucker I can make ninety k. Like that, that's that's just shows you how naive I was. I wouldn't even think about six figures. 90k to me was like, hey, that's close enough as it gets right there. You know right. what I'm saying? No state taxes, I can make that shit work. Man, but uh, I, I know what you mean on that. Yeah, that's that's really the perspective and mindset in which the environment was that I grew up in. And so, my teacher was like, bro, you talk about sports all the time. Why don't you become a sports writer? And again, I was so naive. All I saw on my TV screen were former athletes, and I I thought they were doing because the idea and concept is always about you want are you in it for the money? Or are you in it for the fame? Okay, and it was always proposed to me as an either-or proposition. It was never a mute like, like these they, these two things can work together. So I was like, well, shit. They on TV, like they already got paid. They just doing this to stay relevant and to remain notable in, in people's minds. They're like, nah, people get paid to do this shit. Did some more research. Didn't really get a chance to travel around schools, but I was like, man, fuck, I got it out of this environment. So um, pulled out six figures and loans, went to Arizona State because it was one of the best journalism schools in the country. Did not know a fucking soul. In Arizona, they never been to Arizona before. I even stepped foot in that uh, on camp. What made you leave Texas for Arizona? I knew I had to get out of my environment, man. Like I just, I just felt like if I got, if I was still here, I would have been stuck. And so, yeah. uh, I, Arizona State to me made the most sense. It was just more logically, like just in terms of like, okay, this is the path I want to take. So let's think about this more calculate. Okay, so my options were narrowed down: Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. Arizona State, I think I had North Carolina in the picture too. A lot of schools, obviously very far in distance, but they were all great journalism programs for the most part. Arizona State provided the rare opportunity in which it was a journalism school that's one of the best in the country, but also in a major city with every major sports team. Right. So in my mind, all right, cool. Like That gives me more opportunities for internships. That can allow me more opportunities to grow my network. That gives me more opportunities to be in the field and getting tangible experience without having to go travel, you know, you know, a couple hours away because I live in a college town to make that shit work. I could literally go from class straight to the, to the, these on on 
site jobs. You know what I'm saying? So that was my that was my perspective and my mindset on that. And I was like, all right, cool. The infrastructure's there. It's more so I just got to put in that work. So six figures to pull that shit out, hit the ground running, and I ain't looked back since. Mm. And your first job was it the Arizona Diamondbacks? Yeah, damn, you on my LinkedIn shit. Listen, 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 listen. Here at the yeah. Stephen Leo podcast, we, 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 we come prepared, baby. I, when I DM'd you and I asked you to interview, you said okay. We get we get to work, okay? Yeah. We don't we first don't play. Do was our research. Yeah. That was my first internship, right? And I was mm-hmm. there for a season long, and that shit was like logging and capturing tape. It's like all the shit that goes on behind the scenes, which, to, like, in the position I'm in now, you think it wouldn't make sense, but it actually has helped me out a ton, bro. Because as media keeps changing and shifting, having these different perspectives of all these different titles and what these different people and the, and the role, different roles they play, because I was able to get a hands-on experience in terms of what that stuff was like in the background and what that stuff was behind the scenes, mm-hmm. it gave me a better idea while I'm on camera. All right, cool. This is what this person's looking for from this position. All right, cool. This is what this person's looking for from this position. All right, these are things to be mindful of on camera. So it presents a great, greater sense of awareness than typically other hosts or talent would have when they're on set or when they're involved in the creative process or when they're involved in the development process. There are other things in which I'm just more instinctively aware of as a result of all these different experiences that I had, which, again, it wasn't planned at the time. It was more so like, cool, Dimebacks will hit me up. I bet. Say less. It's going to be a good look. You know, but now looking back on it, it, it's literally taught me a pathway in terms of just like doing just doing extra work like doing doing above and beyond in terms of what it is that your job is because it may it's going to be exhausting in the moment but then long term it's going to give you a greater perspective in terms of how to to handle things and it may provide answers you know that you may have to deal with on certain situations a year or two ten years down the road but i've always still taken that approach for it's like, all right cool let's just roll my sleeves up and get this thing cracking instead of you know acting like the bougie host talent that like i don't want to be a part of none of this shit you know what i'm saying like that's that's never really how I want to operate. I want to be hands-on with this as much as I possibly can where, you know, everything makes sense. Process to me matters so much as a result of all that work I've had to go into because I've seen so many people, they don't care about the process. They just care about the end result. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, like motherfuckers will dream so much about popping champagne and winning awards and shit like that, but they never think about the moments where that, that it, the, the energy that it takes to get to that point the process that it takes to get to that point. And so they end up latching their minds on so much in terms of like what this looks like on the end, what this looks like on the back end. But if you keep dreaming and envisioning that shit, you're going to end up being in an alternate reality. You know what I'm saying? That like, to me, it doesn't allow you to put out the best work you possibly can put out. And that's, that's ultimately, when you focus on the process so much, that's going to allow you to put out the best work you possibly can. When you focus on like all the other stuff that comes with it in terms of what the end result is, your mindset is going to be like, how can I get to that point? Regardless of what happens, how can I get to that point? Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yes. So I'm, I've just, I've never been built that way. I think a lot of it just has to do with like, I don't feel like I had the margin for error to be even thinking in that kind of manner. You feel me? Like, it's just, I don't think I had that luxury because yeah. I feel like I, in, in many ways, when you don't have the resources, when you don't have the access, when you don't have the financial uh, uh, resources to, to dictate what it is that your dream or your ambition or your passion is, you got to go by the book more often than not. You know what I'm saying? Because if you fear off from that book, like, ain't no telling what what direction you could be at the game by tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't have that luxury to just like, you know, skirt tail and and, and take cuts and 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 you know what I'm saying? Like, 
you know, find shortcuts and cheat through the game. Like it, that, that, that's just not a luxury and a lot. It's, it's more of a liability for you. So, you know, having learned all those processes, you know, taking all those steps and shit like that and climbing up all those stairs, that's what's built up that, that level of, of endurance and, and that level of longevity that hopefully I can continue to maintain. Hmm. What's your, um, well, I guess it's a two-part question. What's your favorite sport and what's your favorite sport to cover? Favorite sport, football. Because you played. It's it just it's all-encompassing football, man. Like, a lot of memories with football. It's not discrediting basketball either. I think basketball has played a significant role in my life. You know what I'm saying? And, and definitely a big-time Mavs fan. Um, and I think, I think I'd say covering football is a lot more enjoyable, too. I like watching basketball more as just a casual fan. Football, I like the strategy behind the shit. And just if you're really entrenched in terms of understanding how a team approaches a game and how the coaching staff and all the players and stuff like that in terms of understanding what their game plan is, bro, like that strategy part of that shit, it's just, it, it it's addictive because it, it is every week. It's just like, it's a battle. And that part to me is, just, it's always been enjoyable. Like even at elementary, middle school, I was reading like three, four, four, three defense books and shit like that, that like, which is kind of like, I don't know, it's just intriguing to me. You know, you see that shit mad, you're like, what the fuck, 3-4, what the fuck, 4-3? Yeah. And just trying to understand that shit more so you can, you know, at least strategize your defense better so you ain't getting your ass with them, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, That's exactly how I am with baseball because I, I don't, un- I understand the rules of baseball, but I don't understand, like, schemes, you know? Yeah. I don't understand yeah. baseball schemes or anything or, like, why they would walk a certain player or when they come in for certain players or back up and pinch hits and seeing eye singles i don't understand none of that stuff that's the nl baseball right there yeah see yeah. <laughs> I, I grew i grew up on them rangers them al rangers all they do is just smash homers bro they ain't give a fuck about none of that strategy shit ron washington went with his gut he don't give a fuck what analytics told him <laughs> that's the shit i grew up on but yeah no baseball very much so especially now strategy wise like you see the most random ass shifts you ain't got nobody on third or second base and they in the outfield it's like what that don't make no sense but yeah. But once you start to understand that shit more, it's like the idea of anticipating when those moments come and understanding like, oh, okay, I see what he's doing there type shit. Or, nah, that ain't the right strategy here. He kind of pressing. Or understanding like even finding it more impressive when they strategize to a player's weakness to try and get him into, to hit into a situation. But the player is athletic enough to overcome that and still is able to hit it down the, the, the third baseline. You know what I'm saying? Like, you end up becoming, you end up having a greater appreciation for the athlete that was the result of that, of him outmaneuvering uh, a manager or a team that try to maneuver him and, and play him to his weaknesses. Um, that, that stuff to me is just really fun. For basketball, like, basketball has a strategy component to it, but, like, ultimately it's like, look, pick and rolls or one-on-one. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, like the, the most part, that's that's the way that's the game is operating. It's, it's it, to me, that, and that's much more enjoyable as a casual fan. It's like, all right, cool. What's the scenario here? What's the situation here? How are they going to get the ball in his hands? And there are very few opportunities in which you see that strategical stuff. Obviously, uh, you know, in- inbounds on timeouts, uh, situational stuff that does exist. Obviously, defensively, there's some issues like switching on pick and roll and stuff like that. But uh, I-, I just, uh, I just, I much rather enjoy watching that just on a casual tip than covering that game. See, I can talk about basketball like that. Leo can talk about boxing like that. Cause oh, for real? Leo's yeah, you go ahead, Leo, because I don't understand boxing. I don't understand boxing at all. Cause every time I watch boxing, I'll be like, why are they like on defense all day? Why they not I expect it to be a fight. You know, they don't be throwing no punches. 
I, I, I have a deep appreciation for boxing, a very deep appreciation for boxing. That, that, that's it, that's all. And that's it, that's all. <laughs> that's it, that's all. I have, a very, I have a very deep appreciation for boxing. Their different styles are just, it, it is enjoyable. It, it really is enjoyable. And I, I feel like there's a good crop of boxers that are like really emerging right now in a way. There's that, a fantastic stable of boxers emerging right now. The lightweight division is stacked. Don't get, please don't get me started. This, yes, <laughs> boxing is it, it is approaching a very, very beautiful age. I don't want to say a, a golden age, but boxing is in safe hands right now. It's in very, very safe and capable hands right now. I love what it is, man. It's a great Crazy. time it is. Go ahead, um, Leo. <clears throat> I'm sorry, I got thrown off. Oh, what position did you play uh, for in football? Oh, bro, I was fat as fuck, man, but I had hands. So uh, it was like a very short stint. You know, I was, I was like, it was a tight end position, but this was also the same time in which Texas high school football was going spread. So the high school I played at didn't have tight end no more. So I was like a wide receiver. But it made no fucking sense, bro, because, like, I would get lapped. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it, like... I, I'm 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 dreading drills because like I'm gonna be running with like D linemen. You feel me? Like, but I'm running with wide receivers and these motherfuckers like I right, who gonna be the first one to you know first one to get to line type shit. I'm like, man, let me just not be the last one, bro. Like that's just dumb. <laughs> I know if I'm the last one, I'm about to be running laps all fucking day and even after practice, and I ain't with that shit. No, so, nobody wants to be the last one. I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, yeah. So then I end up fucking on my knee like right before the first game, and uh, it's just. It, at that point, it was like, all right, cool. Like, that, this ain't it. But, look, man, I'm glad it wasn't. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like a lot of things happen for a reason. And, and shit, I saved myself from a whole lot of hits that otherwise I'd probably be suffering for right now. You know what I'm saying? Dude, uh, um, the life of being a writer as opposed to an athlete, right? Mm. How do you how do you deal with that? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's two different worlds. You know, like... Um, because you start off as an athlete until you 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 blew out your knee. Yeah, yeah, it, but it's it's like I don't even consider high school as like even athleticism. Like like no disrespect to people who did high school stuff. It's just like to me, when you see like the top one percent or less than one percent in your space, and you also cover those on a college level, collegiate level, it's like I don't. You just have a greater sense of appreciation for that stuff. Like I'm I'm, I'm never one to go back on high school and stuff like that because I feel like that those days are just they done. You know what I'm saying? Like. It's like, I don't know, like those those kind of high school athletic achievements, it, it it pales in comparison to like what it is on a collegiate level and what these athletes are capable of doing. Like you're talking about when you're on a college football team, you are the best player in your city. Yeah. That's true. Okay. So you're getting, even on the shittiest team, you are probably a top two or three player in your city. Okay. And then when you go to the NFL state, you're talking potentially the best player that to come out of your state, to come out of your college. And the, the quality of level, it's literally like a filter that you just keep going through in each one of these different realms. And so it, I, I, I don't like, because high school, there, well, there's not really qualifications. Like anybody can sign up and just play. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, so like the idea of comparing that to like someone that, has a less than one percent chance of making it, like the the degree of difficulty of making it into that profession 
is slim to none. And I think as a writer now, I've started to understand more in terms of the social economic impact that that has, in terms of this idea that while continuously a lot of us believing that this is one of our few outlets to go through, when at the end of the day, it's a less than 1% chance to make it. Why is it that there's a consistency of us thinking that we are the less than 1%? Which again, very much so, there are people who have every right to be that way. But just think about all the ones that don't make it, all the ones that thought that football was their dream in high school, and they didn't get a D1 scholarship. They didn't get a juke shit. They probably go on JUCO if they still want to play or D3. You feel me? But mm-hmm. that kid going pro, dream is dead for them senior high school. Okay, maybe you do get a scholarship. Okay, maybe you do make it to college. JUCO, D2, it no matter whatever level that is. But then you go through that four-year stretch, and then you go through another round of cuts in terms of people who realize once they graduate and step foot off of college, this is a career that I will no longer be pursuing because I am not fit or cut enough to make it. And I didn't make a dollar out of this profession that I spent from probably age eight to age 21 trying to the best that I possibly could be at. And it still wasn't good enough. That's heartbreaking. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely, man. It it absolutely is heartbreaking. And it's, it's, it's an annual tradition that happens every year where you hear all the stories of the people who get drafted, but you never hear about the ones whose dreams were crushed. Because they didn't make it, but they worked their whole life to make it. Yeah, and and some of them will realize and accept that and move on. A much more difficult time, they're going to find other outlets to do that, whether it is flag football, whether it is in pro-am leagues, uh, you know what I'm saying, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, and other people will just continue to just – Maybe be nostalgic on, on the times that they had. But the, the degree and difficulty in terms of what they do is just, it's, it's incredibly impressive. And in terms on the writing side, like I just, I just feel like it's just more creative and more open. Like There's, there's a lot of creativity that, that exists in terms of this field and this space that uh, there's a lot more expressive, creative expressions that, 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 uh, that you're allowed to, to partake in that I don't think as an athlete or so you do. And I think that's a broader conversation to have in terms of masculinity and what that looks like. But um, I don't know, it's just I'm allowed to laugh. I, I, I am allowed to have my curiosity run wild right. as a runner. Where as an athlete it's very mil- militaristic. Where pretty much your whole schedule is set by people that you don't even know. Like the NFL calendar operates on a 12-month basis. You know where you're going to be at in January. You know where you're going to be at in February, March, April, May, et cetera, et cetera, June, July. Like, even the times where you're off, you know you're going on vacation somewhere. You're going to be on a beach. Mm-hmm. You're going to be with your folks. Like, everything is just very formulaic. And you do the same thing over and over and over, year after year after year, until eventually you no longer are fit enough to play in this game no more. And then you have to come to grips with the reality of you have to move on from this. Whereas with writing, like, I can do this shit till I die. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. This skill set, which I've learned, like, there's no expiration date on this until I'm just like, I am just don't want to do this anymore. And that, that level of sustainability is, is just, you know, I'm, I'm appreciative to be in a field that has that. Because even if I don't write about sports no more, like, writing is a skill set that I can translate anywhere. You know, it's a very interchangeable skill set. In terms of football, like, what other skill sets can you catch a pass <laughs> throw a football or 
rush for 200 yards. Like, you know, there's other there's skills within that that you learn, but I'm saying in terms of what it is on your resume that people judge you off of, there's no comparison. You, you doesn't to, transfer well to corporate America. You, you would be a, you'd be a hell of you'll be a hell of a UPS driver, I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> catching passes, catching packages. Yeah, that's yeah. That's... <laughs> Deadlifting packages. <laughs> Do you uh, have a interest in that? Do you have a, a, a interest in pursuing that at all? Uh, like creative writing of any sort? Oh yeah, man. Yeah, it's. I mean, you see the game in the industry and how everything is shifting, man. Like, it's all about owning IP now. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And and you know, there's a lot more control that you can have as a creative now more than ever. If if you're understanding how these different shifts are happening, and so there's just more greater opportunities. And so um, yeah, man. Like. You got a whole streaming war going on right now where Netflix is trying to, you know, maintain their lead and everybody else is watching the throne. You know what I'm saying? And you got Amazon coming at their next. You got HBO Max coming at their next. Hulu over here trying to come at their next. Uh, and then all the other different platforms, CBS, Peacock, everybody's realizing there's money in this shit. And, it's, and Netflix got a decade lead on everybody right now. And so everybody trying to play catch up. And when everybody trying to play catch up, that's where they, all the money's going. That's where all the investments are going. And so... But naturally, all the other industries are following suit because, like, that's that's where the audiences are at now. You know, there's so so much consumption of media that's happening these days. Where whether it is a podcast and you've seen with Spotify, and there's a whole battle that's about to happen right now with audio in terms of who's going. You know, Spotify is leading the game right now, but you know, Apple they're trying, they're they trying to corner the market. Yeah, but now Amazon coming through too. They got that DJ Khaled podcast, which you know, say what you want about whatever that podcast is going to be, but it shows that they got money to pay for. You know what I'm saying? Which means they're taking this shit seriously. And so all these different things, like audio's the next battlefield, the next battleground, you're seeing shit like Clubhouse and shit taking off, like all these different audio chat apps, like it, it, it all comes in cycles. Oh now we saw the blog era pop off. And I think I think in a lot of ways you see the hip hop having a very, you know, uh, uh early adopters early adapter stage in terms of its influence on all this shit. Oh now the blog the blog era. And, and the influence that they had in terms of having all these, you know, legacy publications realizing the importance of having an online and digital presence. 2016, we saw the digital video, the pivot to video situation happen. Mm-hmm. And that's where you birth these different places like Genius. You know what I'm saying? That was able to really take advantage of, uh, of, of the digital media space and create these different opportunities for them. You see Breakfast Club, you see all these different rap interviews that were being put on. And I think that that allowed the message in terms of who these artists and rappers were to be translated in a different way where you can actually sit down with a two hour interview and listen to who these rappers are rather than like cut up sound bites on a radio interview on the radio that you can only catch live at 10 p.m. And now you see in 2020 with, with podcasting, with you know the certain hip hop podcasts that have really been taking the charge and you've seen that with Clubhouse and in terms of what hip hop and the hip hop industry has done to try to push that lead. And there's, there's other there's other similar apps just like Clubhouse. One of them's Chalk uh, that one of my homies is actually uh, with OVO is is part of that also is very similar as well in terms of what it's it's, it's trying to accomplish. Like it, it's it's all these things come away. So you're seeing the evolution of print media to blog. You're seeing the evolution of broadcast, to digital media, digital video, and you're seeing the evolution of radio to online audio. And I think that transition will continue to happen. In the meantime, all that's happening, they need people who create this shit. So if you know what the fuck you're doing, it's your time to shine. It's time to get that content off. You already know. Yeah. You already know. So 
it's 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 a it's a great time, man. It's it's a lot of chaos in it, but I mean, if you know what you're doing right now, this this is this is a great opportunity to be a creative. Mm. As a writer, do you find that you you do you find yourself reading uh, any books often? Yeah, man. Um, it's been tough during Rona. I'm not even gonna front, man. Like reading, like sitting down and reading books has been a challenge because I feel like I'm just reading the news so much, and I. I think I, I skew more towards reading the news and keeping up to date with what's going on than I do in terms of like having a book a week or having a book on me. And so uh, I think the last book I was reading was, uh, was Angela Davis's book. Uh, it was a recommendation uh, from uh, my former boss and former editor at, at BR, who's over at Zora now as part of their book club. So I was reading that joint. It was that shit was powerful. Uh, which I got to wrap it up. I got a couple more chapters to finish up on that joint. So I was reading that. Um, I'm trying to think what was the book I read before that. Um, I'm blanking out. I got Jeff Perlman's book on the Lakers, Showtime Lakers. That's been a good read so far. Um, yeah, man. I'm trying to think. Like, <laughs> I, I like I like reading about people, though, man. Like, I'm not I'm not somebody that's like I'm not gonna read a, a, a fictional book. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I like to read about real people's perspectives and real people's journeys in terms of what they've experienced in life and hopefully understanding a better idea of like how they view these things and, and maybe they drop some gems that can help me piece together some shit that I'm going through or pieces together some stuff of understanding of like my blind spots in terms of things that I don't understand that I'm trying to get a better idea on. And um, that's, that's usually my lane and my, 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 the perspective I love, I love understanding more about. So, so in regards to book genres, you would say your favorite is uh, biographies, for sure, a lot philosophy and like I guess a touch of self help. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I, well, I read the. What was that book? Uh, I've seen a lot of people. My therapist recommended that book, The Four Keys to Like Personal Freedom, whatever it is. That, uh, I'll definitely yeah. check that out. I thought you were going to say uh, how to how to unfuck yourself. Nah, nah, nah. I think it's personal freedom. Yeah. Let me Google this shit. The, the four the four keys to personal freedom. I think so. Something like that. Something along those lines. The Four Agreements. That's what it is. Four Agreements. Okay. I need that book. Yeah, the four, the four Agreements, A Practical Guide to Personal Freedom. Don Miguel Ruiz. My therapist recommended that shit to me two years ago. Bro, that shit was, that shit was spot on, bro. Really? Yeah. The biggest thing I was learning was just not to take shit personal. Because I feel like I was like, if you fuck me over, like it was the end of the, like I'm about to get your ass back type shit. And just not realizing like how much attention and energy you end up spending on that shit when like oftentimes it's best just to let that shit go. Don't take that shit personal because you end up learning that like the way people reject you or the way the way that people talk, while you may take those things personal, oftentimes it's just a reflection on who they think about themselves and their own perspective. You feel me? And it was and it, it was it was something that for me it took me a minute to understand, especially in this industry, because you know, I think I think it's a very uh very privileged industry and there's a lot of nepotism in this industry it was just hard for me to get along with a lot of people in this industry and so um I, I would always take these kind of things personally because i knew i just simply did not fit in with a lot of the people that that operate in this industry and so that book just kind of helped me out a ton just realizing recognizing like i see that i peep a mile away keep doing your thing i'm gonna do mine there's no reason for me to try and interact with all these different beefs and try and get in all this stuff and taking all these things personal because at the end of the day, I'm just going to focus on work by myself. I'm good on that. I hear that. Have you ever gotten into it with anybody on your on your show? 
On my show? Nah, nah. Has anyone, has anyone, uh, you know, come across, you know, a little, a little wrong, a little inappropriate? Nah, man. Dog, the vibe on the show is cool, bro. Like, no we, one's take, no we, one's taking a loss to you, and they've taken it, you know, the wrong way. Nah, bro. Like, look, for real, I'm telling you, man. Like, like the energy that we have on set, bro. It's like, it, 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 it it's exactly what I was hoping it would be. Like we, it's it's literally like imagine you pulling up in a pool hall with a homie and y'all just catching up. That's how that's how I feel when I watch. That that's literally what it is. Like like a couple of these folks I knew from before. Like you know what I'm saying a couple of folks I don't know. But even the ones I don't know, it's like what's good with you. Like it was cool to hear like the Real Revis when we kicked off the show. He's like, man, I fuck with the show this shit hard. I'm like, bet that's what's up, bro. Like I never met the Real Revis before, but we was just chopping up on some regular shit. He's dropping gems, like getting to understand him a little bit more, him understanding me type shit, and like even after we were done shooting, more often than not, I'm still chopping it up with these folks. Like their commitment is done, like it's time for them to go, but they just kicking around because we just like we just wow. still mesh the vibe. That's the energy you've created. Yeah, man, and and oftentimes like they'll be in, in transitions where there'll be another athlete that's just waiting to get on set because we'll knock out a couple in a day, and those athletes will catch up. You know what I'm saying? Like, damn, I ain't seen you in a long time. Whoop the whoop the whoop. And you know, the NFL uh fraternity that is amongst the players, like, they start to catch up. They like, oh, you want this too? That's dope. This, this, and this. And then they jump on set. We just be we just be kicking it. We just be kicking it, man. So it's it it, it is it has been a incredible experience. And everyone I think a testament to that is every single person who's jumped on, but like, yo, this shit's fucking dope. I had a great time. Can't wait to see this shit drop. And when it drops, they fucking with it. Because it's an authentic story that they're sharing that we're, you know, sharing to our audience in a very authentic way. Did you create it or was it presented to you? It was a concept in which it kind of already existed in terms of a pilot standpoint. And then uh, it was kind of like, yo, master, like, yo, here's untold stories, make it your own. Make it your own. All right, cool. Uh, I threw in the concept in terms of the pool hall because uh, I, I felt like that was, it was missing a connective tissue. In terms of something that can kind That's of bind the best part. together, right? That makes it more. Yeah. It makes it more like I don't know, like relatable. Yeah, like, like, like brotherly. Like, like, I, what, I feel relatable. The the best what, what makes the pool hall the best part? The familiarity. Yeah. You all you go to the pool hall with your boys. Yeah. And everybody, everybody can relate to going to a pool hall. Everyone, and, like and catching like, up. It, it, it it's not even about the competition part of it. It's just more so it's it's creating an environment for conversation, and that was the whole goal. Because when I've gone to athletes' cribs, they all have big ass pool tables. You know what I'm saying? So we over there just kicking. We usually go up to the game room, sipping on some browns, just play some pool. But yeah. then the other component of this is we all have had a pool experience at a very young age. Mine happened to be at a rec center. Start off at bumper pool. You know what I'm saying? Playing. You got got to give them a quarter. You know what I'm saying? They give you the quarterback. But, you know, you got to return the balls in order for you to get the quarterback. Then you, you elevate when you're 14 years old to start playing pool. And you and your homies, after you play three or four hours of basketball, y'all go on the game and go play some pool. Whether it was at a rec center, whether it was at a boys and girls club, whether it was at an uncle's crib, everyone has had a very similar experience in terms of playing pool. And it's something that I don't think we do as often these days. We don't. But then the idea of it, though, is still very much stimulating in such a way where it's like, damn, like, I need to do this more. You know, and so bringing people in that kind of environment is more so just like, man, we just we we cool, we just kicking it, man. Like, it's nothing more or less to it. Like, 
You know, we're not trying to have a dinner and have a conversation and just have all that food just sitting there. You know what I'm saying? While we just staring at that shit or just having people looking at us while we just munching on some food. I'm not trying to do all that. I'm not trying to get, I'm not trying to get fucked up. You know what I'm saying? Like, just have conversations that last six hours. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not trying to do some crazy, you know, trick shot. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm not like, I, I peep the industry and I peep all these different things that are being done. Like, I'm not trying to burn your mouth off. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I'm like... I get all those things that people do and I understand the appeal to all those things in terms of what it does to bring in a broader audience. And I respect all of those because all those concepts have had some level of success in one way or another. But in terms of what I was trying to do like that, that wasn't it. Like I'm, I'm prioritizing the conversation more than I'm prioritizing the viral appeal of this because I do believe great conversations can lead to a great audience. I love that. I love that. (laughs) I'm 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 a big fan of that. I'm sorry. Um, do you have a favorite athlete that you've interviewed? Man, season one, Percy, 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 Percy Harvin was that that one was a great great conversation. Mm-hmm. And that was that was the first day that we shot. He was I think the second person. Yeah, it was the second person to come on. I'm telling you, I was nervous as fuck getting in that morning because I was like, man, like, shit. Hope this shit works. Like, you know, like, because the pool hall concept was kind of a subject of, like, debate whether it was going to work or not. I knew in my mind that it was going to work. It was just, but, like, like it was one of those things where I felt like I was like, I got to make this work now. You feel me? Like, mm-hmm. like everyone, I finally got everyone to understand the importance of the pool hall, and now, like, it's time for me to do my thing. So I remember getting that morning, I was like, fuck, like, I'll make this work, man, because if this shit don't work, then, like, you know, man, I get another show, pull all shit, like, it's just, it's it's a dub. And the first one we did, I think the first shoot that we did was Clint Portis, and Clint Portis was smooth, you know what I'm saying? Like, it was cool with And then when Percy pulled up, um, I knew I knew some information on Percy already as it is in terms of, like, the whole situation with Golden Tate and him smoking marijuana. It was, it was, it was sources I already had that had the information. Yeah. I never pulled it because I always wanted to talk to him and try and do a story on it. I, I personally requested that person on the show so we could talk about this. So when he got on set, I told him like whoop de whoop de whoop all this different stuff. He's like how the fuck you know this shit? And I'm like, I, I knew people in the locker room, but like, I like but I never reported. You ever see me tweet anything this shit? He's like nah. And I knew immediately. I had his respect for that. Like I right, bet let's go there, let's take it there. I'm like all right, cool. And that conversation, we was just vibing. And as you can even see it too at the end, and I was just telling him like, damn, this shit crazy. And like, y'all still beat the fuck up. <laughs> you know, y'all still want the fuck out of these motherfuckers in the Super Bowl. You're like, yeah. And that that, that we came up on that show was like, literally, like you would be in a pool hall. You're like, yeah, let's validate that. Let's confirm that mm-hmm. shit. That shit was some crazy shit. And so um, after we shot that one, there was just a great feeling that I had. It was like, this is why it was the pool hall for these specific reasons. And I knew from everyone that was on set, they're like, oh, we got one. We got a show here. We got a show that I think has us. That that that's it. So that that one's always gonna be memorable for me. Ricky Williams was dope. Um, I, I feel like I could talk to him for hours. Um, he seems Reed, cool. Incredible. I I'll let you know. I watch all the um, episodes with the Miami players more than once. I just I'm a I'm a huge <laughs> fan. So Clint Porter said yeah. Reed got watched more than once. Yeah, that's, that, that, that's my yeah. shit. Yeah. We had Devin Hester on this episode, this season. He that was, was a couple weeks ago. Yeah, and uh, I'm gonna give y'all a little, little, little special something. You know what I'm saying? You may see him back this season. Hey. You may see, and 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 
if you see him back, it's a better story. Okay. When you saw this season. What's the last one you posted? Justin Tuck? Was that? Well, when this was recorded. Big Tuck, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, We had Justin Tuck on. Yeah, he was talking about uh, the freestyle rap battles they had in the uh, Coughlin era, which that shit shit threw me off because I thought Coughlin was strict as a motherfucker. Hell yeah. He was talking. He talking about them defensive line. Uh, the defensive line was straight hand to him and, and OC. He said them boys was wilding in that locker room, bro. Like he said that shit was a party in the D line locker room. That was the place to be. Well, and these motherfuckers would turn the fuck up during like film study, and at all the other position coaches knew if they heard the music turned up loud as fuck in the D line room, it, they was gonna get mad because all the athletes would just storm out of their room and go straight to the D line room and see what the fuck they doing. Like on some like on some like middle high middle school high school shit, you feel me? Like you know what I'm saying? Like oh that that class always be turned up, man. Fuck y'all! Like I'm gonna see what they doing type shit. But like it's grown ass man in an NFL facility doing this shit. It was crazy. Man. Did did crazy. they have all four of them at once? Justin yeah. Tuck, OCU Minora, Michael Strahan, what do you mean and JPP. Did they have all four of them. At they had all four yes. of them, right? Yeah, Absolutely. isn't that ridiculous to think about, bro? That is crazy. Yeah, and even Strahan on his latter years was still very effective. He was still Strahan. Strahan didn't retire like way past his prime. He he retired just about on time. Yes, very much so. And but just think about that. Like you'll probably never see that again because defensive linemen and pass rushers are getting paid buku dollars now. Mm-hmm. Like these motherfuckers are getting paid twenty plus million now. And trying to pay four dudes on the front of your line twenty plus million, you talking eighty million you're gonna spend on top on your D line alone? That's just like it, it. You literally would have to strike on the draft consistently and hit and hit and hit and find instant production. That's what they, that's what the Giants yeah. did, though, ain't it? Then they draft yeah, all four of those. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. But like, it's also just a different era where it's like you know you can you can navigate like OC was getting. OC was getting paid at the time. JPP, I think, was still on his rookie deal at the time. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, it Tuck wasn't necessarily that. I don't think he was that expensive of a person in terms, especially in that era in the 2000s. So um, now, like, shit. I mean, you, you you look at what the Chargers got. Both their bookends making 20 plus million right now. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, it's it, it, it's 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 a different game, man. It really is. Cause uh, what? I wasn't. I remember Javon Curse. Didn't Javon Curse get a hundred million? And Julius Peppers got a hundred million. Mm-hmm. But outside of them, I don't remember. I don't remember many DNs back back then. But now you got your Miles Garrett, your JJ Watts, your Bosa. Bosa's, yeah, man. Khalil Mack, Khalil Mack got like one sixty. Yeah, yeah. It's That's insane. The, the the pass rush game now is. It, like we're we're in a golden era of pass rushers that we've just never seen before. Just the athleticism, uh, the 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 different skill sets in terms of the the you know what the, the the power rushers, the finesse rushers, the different ways in which they've been able to like just like like Dwight Freeney was on the show and just Dwight him Freeney. the spin move and how innovative that was and seeing guys use the spin moves and incorporation of three or four different moves that they have. It's just it's ridiculous, man. The length that they have, the the arm strength that they have. The, the, the it's the base that they have. It's, it's it is an incredible era for pass rushers. It really is. And we didn't even talk about Aaron Donald, bro. Mm. <laughs> I don't even, I, I, that's disrespectful. 
<laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, that, that's where we at, though. J.J. Watt, we need to mention him. I said J.J. I'm a, I'm a Texans fan, so I said J.J. Oh, that's unfortunate. Don't do that. Don't, we, we ain't got to do that. What you laughing at? You a Panthers fan. Wait, wait. That was completely unnecessary. <laughs> Yeah, you laughing at you a Panthers? Hey, I can't even talk, man. I'm a Cowboys fan, bro. That's disgusting. Hey, uh, again, you a Texas fan, bro? Like, you gotta understand. Cool, cool. Let's move forward. Circle. Do you see how it came full circle? Let's move forward. Now, you told me one of your guests the other day, and I won't name him. Like one of your upcoming guests, but who's Uh somebody that you you want to get on untold stories that you haven't got to yet? There's so many people because we we've only done retired NFL dudes. Yeah, that was my next question was about current NFL players, so don't don't get there yet. Okay, retired <laughs> NFL guys that I want to talk to. I gotta get Marshawn, bro. I gotta get Marshawn, bro. That's like, too much like right though. You know what I'm saying? I I expect a Marshawn Lynch episode to be longer um, than the rest of the episodes. Oh, bro, that needs to be a two hour documentary, yeah. bro. Just like. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, just 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 bring the henny, uh, bring the uh, recreational activities, <laughs> and and bring the uh, pool talk, and yeah. we're gonna be good. <laughs> just keep them cameras rolling. Um, man, yeah, outside of Marshawn, I'm trying to think, man. I don't think I've had any Cowboys on there. Any Cowboys legends? Prime? Be, I mean, I don't know about Prime now, but uh, well, Prime would have been. I would have wanted to see Prime. Prime Maybe maybe Michael Irvin talk about some club shit. Oh, Irvin, Irvin be dope. Irvin would be incredible. Emmitt Smith would be dope too. I don't know how fun he'd be, but I think he'd be dope just to nostalgic purposes. Um, I'm trying to think who else, man. Marshall uh-huh. Fogg. You haven't had Randy, have you? Nah, man. It's, what about T.O.? He was a cowboy. T.O. was a cowboy. Yeah, man. Would be great to have him on, man. So, <laughs> we'll see. You know? We'll see. <laughs> I, I didn't. I didn't tell him. By the way, I didn't. I'm just. I, I don't know what you're talking about. We could. <laughs> I don't know. You know, It'd be be an honor to have a Hall of Famer like T.O. You know, it's such an honor. Such an honor. Such a privilege. <laughs> what uh, current players do you want? Man, um, shit. There's so many, bro. So you many cool. Hell yeah, bro. Like. Got cool with Jamal Adams while I was in New York. He'd be dope on there. Yeah, because he has a lot to say. He's very outspoken. Oh, oh yeah. He also from the crib. He's from Dallas, too. So uh, that'd be a phone. He's good. He's good people. Uh, Alvin Kamara, good people. Um, he, he He's one of my favorite people to talk to, just period. Like, he is a very thoughtful dude that if he fucks with you, he fucks with you. Mm-hmm. If he don't fuck with you, what's good? You good? All right, bet. You know what I'm saying? Like he, he cordial. You know what I'm saying? He really friendly. He's from Atlanta. Like, he, straight up. Yeah, yeah that's he why is. I like that. Uh. He, he's friendly to everybody, but I'm saying you get to see a different side of him if you like, if you really just take the time to get to understand and know him. And uh, I was able to write a piece on him a couple of years ago and just kind of followed around for a couple of days and um, just really grew to respect who he is. And dog, he's he's like 25 now, just incredibly sharp dude. He just knows what he's doing and very thoughtful. Um, so. That'd be dope to get him on, cause I know, like he 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 don't he don't share too much in terms of like the things that he does and stuff like that and how he moves. But like getting him on untold stories, I think it'd be one of those things. Like, damn, you did that shit, you know? Like it'd be some like, wow, that's crazy kind of moments. Oh, uh, I, I want you to get Megatron on there. That's who Meg- I want. I want Megatron. 
Megatron would be crazy. Because I want to I want to know why he you know, I want to know what his thought process was going into retirement and and all that. And I would also say I want Cam. Cam Newton? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I would love Cam. I would love Cam. Cam would be great, man. I think that one's probably going to be one of those I just got to wait till he retires stories cuz this story still very much is unfolding and developing and it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens with him, man, because especially after this season, like, where does he go? And, and I mean, he's clearly, the way the NFL's shifting now, like, he can play for a, lot, a couple more years, man, because yeah. athleticism he provides, the, the, the challenges that he provides, the defenses, the way athleticism is being prioritized now as, as an NFL quarterback. So you can make an argument that maybe he was a little ahead of his time, but uh, I think he'll be able to, find some longevity in terms of the back end of his career as long as his shoulder can stay healthy, which I think that's the biggest question we have. Mm. And my notes froze. I heard that one. I felt that one. (laughs) That that hurt a little bit. My notes froze. Hold on. I'm I'm undecided about Teddy. He's been, he's been performing. He's been performing. (laughs) I don't think he understands. (laughs) Yo, that's the most like, Mid word to you, like <laughs> performing means absolutely nothing. And it Bro, it means like he, like he's 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 been going on the field. Yeah, he's been he's been he's been a, a adequate utility. Like I'm not, he's running the mill. He he reminds me of like a, a, a Rodney Pete. What do you want to say? No, I'm not gonna say Rodney Pete. Like Jake a Ballone. yeah, like a Jake Delone be, right before their Super Bowl run. Right before their Super Bowl run, running the mill. Average quarterback, nothing spectacular. He has legs. He's got legs. He can he can he can get out of the pocket. You know he can he can save a he can save he can, he can escape a pass rush. Hey, yeah, he, but... he be calling them plays. He be... Yo, <laughs> hey, the biggest thing I'll say, like again, like the last time he was a full time starter, been a minute, man. So what was it for he... Buffalo? Nah, nah, it was Minnesota. Minnesota. It was Minnesota. Yeah. And he toys they um toys ACL. Yeah. He was out for like two years, right? Yeah, oh but yeah, when he was in Minnesota, like, that was a playoff team. Yeah, that's on. I, I could have rookie. So I, I started off my career a year after that. Minnesota drafted him, and uh, it was pretty clear that he had capabilities of being not just a starter, but someone that could carry this team into the playoffs. And it was unfortunate the the injury that happened. I think it's a great deal of testament in terms of his adversity and his 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 will to even get back on the field. Um. And the thing about him, he's still young, dog. So it's that's true. I, I think I think I do agree with you. There's certain circumstances and instances where you know games have come out of line, and there's been opportunities either to tie the game on the final possession or win the game on the final possession that he hasn't necessarily come through on. Um, whether that's you know again, whether that's just something that has he has to go through more experience on. Uh, he's an assistant for the first time, uh, even though it's offense coordinator, he knows it's a new head coach, et cetera, et cetera. Whatever the case may be. Um, I would just say at least give him another year to see what he can do. Oh, I'm I'm open to giving him two. I would. Oh, I'm open to giving him two two years as a fan. Yeah, he 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 gets that. That's fair enough. Yeah, because I, I think I think the more time, more experience he's able to get, I think he's gonna figure this out. And I think again, the weapons around him. You got a healthy like with Mike Davis and the way they were still able to keep things afloat. Now you can see him see back. You get, Roby Anderson was an incredible addition, mm-hmm. an incredible addition to that team because that takes the – like, they thought they could build around D.J. Moore and Curtis Samuel, but it's clear Curtis Samuel's best as a gadget player. And now you've got Roby 
on the opposite side of DJ Moore, now suddenly that, that offensive weapon and firepower looks completely different where you don't have to rely on Curtis Samuel every week, but you can use him as the X factor that can get you two touchdowns and that can be a, a great deep threat on a wheel route or you can just throw him a toss and see what he can do with it. I um, also think, what's the name being out? Uh, C-Mac being out hurts. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely did. But, again, Mike Davis was, was pretty impressive, man, in that time. That he was in, man. So I don't, I'm, I'm, and the Panthers have been like defense. I can name you, I maybe know one or two players on that defense, man. But they've, they've been, they've been playing pretty, pretty solid, man. So if I were a Panthers fan, there's a lot of good optimism and, and building blocks that you can look on in terms of where the season's going. And there ain't too many teams that can really say that because majority of these teams either got somebody, the key players who are either hurt or on COVID. So. <laughs> <laughs> Or on COVID, <laughs> on the COVID list, man. That shit, that shit, crazy. Um, let me yeah. see. What? Uh, I wanted to ask, oh, dude, has I'm so, I'm sorry about that, Steve. Has your has your success caused uh, your family to treat you any differently? Um, to some extent, yeah. To some extent, um, I was reminded by my mom a couple of days ago. That uh, I was always the quiet one in the family. Like, uh, I got an older sister and younger brother. I was always kind of a middle child that, like, people just came to. They're just like, yo, I need some help on some shit. And just let that shit slide. And, you know what I'm saying? And just try and give them the best advice possible, do some stuff. But I really want to share the shit that I'll be going through because it's like, at that point, it's like, you know, I don't know. Just, it was always one of those circumstances, situations where you're like, I'm just going to hold it down in terms of what I got to deal with. So, and it's very much something in therapy that I've been working through. Uh, but I'm reminded constantly of that, where it's like I'm not really one that that seeks out the attention. If I feel in the moment in terms of like oh everything vibing, like I'm gonna you know participate in that kind of way. But if not, I'm just gonna be chilling the cut. Like I'm not I'm not trying to do the most. But now that like success has been happening, it's like my almost expect you to just like oh come on do something like entertain us like you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not saying that my family is like in that same way, um, but. Uh, you know, I think more so because of the the lack of time that I've spent at home. That when I was home, like they, they it was just a bombardment of a lot of just energy. They like, oh, how's this? How's this? You know what I'm saying? Just a lot of questions being asked on some like speed dating shit that would catch me off guard at times. Uh, but you know, I've I've been very transparent with them. It's like, oh, nothing's really changed. Like I'm still going back to Texas and eating Whataburger and just posted up at the crib. Like I'm not. You know what I'm saying? Like, I still will pull up at a Walmart looking tacky as fuck because I just don't feel like wearing clothes that match. And I'm just putting on whatever the fuck looks clean. Like, like shit like that, it's just like, it's just very commonality shit that just like, it's it's always going to be ingrained in me. And so I was having that conversation with them um, and just kind of remind them, like, ain't shit changed. It's just a couple videos on YouTube, you know? <laughs> oh, that's real. You have a favorite Jordan? Man. Man. I always pick two, like two real specific Jordans. Okay, cool. I'm glad you gave me two because I feel like my answer always changes on my favorite Jordan. Um, the two that always pop out to me: Air Jordan 12s. Love the Air Jordan 12s. The design on that is simple, but it's just it it sticks out. And when you're able to get some colors on those things, they 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 contrast perfectly. They complement one another. Mm-hmm. That's the shoe. That's that favorite colorway. Man, I man, the 
I, I've had the taxis from the CDB pack for the longest. I, I know it's black and white. I was playing. I fuck with those flu games. I fuck with those. Um, ta- uh, I said the taxis. Them them uh them black and yellow joints that just dropped. I thought them shits was hard, bro. You ain't fuck with them. Huh? You ain't pick them up, bro. Nah, like sneakers have always be ch- catch catch me on them L's, bro. But here's the thing with those kind of shoes, I always know like Air Jordan's gonna end up restocking them shits like ten times. Yeah. So it's like I'm gonna catch them on one of those. I'm gonna let everybody get their fits off and roll. You feel me? Get them shits dusted up. You can catch me, you know, summer 2022 with them shits on. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, them 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 uh, the navy blue joints go hard. You know that I, I need my Jordans that match my Cowboys outfits. This is our year type shit. You feel me? Um, oh brother! I, so I, I love the twelves, and this one, this one's out there. Um, you gonna say something high? <laughs> I love, I love, I love the twenty threes. I love the twenty threes. Nobody, the 20- master. I'm gonna stop you because I don't think I don't think our listeners have seen the twenty threes. <laughs> <laughs> Leo, have you seen the Jordan twenty threes? I've never seen them before. Uh, the 23s are fucking beautiful. And they are a very comfortable shoe to wear, bro. The amount of design that was put in that, the amount of thought that was put in that, the attention to details on that shit, bro. Yeah, I love that shoe, man. I got like five or six pairs of that shoe. Seriously. Of the like, Jordan 23. Yeah, bro. Like, I. I know motherfuckers always have like big dreams, ambitions. I'm putting that out there type situation in terms of shit that they want to do. I'm gonna put this out there. Okay? okay. I would love to design my own Air Jordan 23. Okay. I feel like I can fuck that shit up. Specifically the 23. Specifically the Air Jordan 23. Y'all can have the ones, you know what I'm saying? Go ahead, you know, use a different shade of brown as your other peers and, and, and people that you respect in the industry. You know what I'm saying? You can have the fours, you can have the elevens, you know, twelves, you can have those too. I feel like twelve, twelves like twelves just basically on color blocking schemes. You feel me? Yeah. Twenty threes, I got a lot more freedom and creativity to do some shit with that shit that I, I you rarely get the opportunity to do with other Jordans, and you can make that shit look cool. Only other one that I feel like you can have that level of freedom and creativity to do shit is maybe like the eights. Oh uh, yeah, but the eights are the eights are too bulky now. Yeah, bro. Hey, man, there was a time in the two thousand eights with a shoe, bro. Now, see, I have a thing about this shoot. because I feel like a lot of the Jordans from like seven to seven to about maybe seven seventeen was mm-hmm. made for baggy baggy clothes. Oh, one thousand percent, one thousand percent. Because they're not look like eights don't look good with skinny jeans and fitted clothes. Uh t- t- eight eights eights you can give by. Nines eights, don't either. Nines look eight, weird. Nines, I agree with you on the nines. Nines that like I, I I'm the nines are a solid shoe to me, but you will never see me wearing a pair of nines. Right. And I would say the same yeah. thing about tens. Tens, same fair. thing. Ten, tens, you can see a motherfucker wearing some them, them shiny ass black jeans, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> With tens on, and and a, a, either a baggy tall tee or one like one of them little uh, baggy ass Hawaiian shirts on. You know what I'm saying? One. Yeah, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Like I can right. see rocking the tens with that. Fresh Eleven, as hell. Fresh as a motherfucker. You know Big what I'm pimping. saying? On my mama, on my hood. 
I look fly, I look good. I look you know good. what I'm saying? Like that's that, that's that's the kind of fit that you pulling up in the club with. It's, it's you know funny. It's funny you said this. I sold majority of my countdown packs. I had major. I think I had all of them, except I had all of them except the um one and twenty two and the the one two and three. I had four through everything else. I have the yeah, one, the ones the, the package the packs. I had the one two and threes. I have those. Everything else I had. So I just sold them because you you literally like. It was like you can get the ones for six hundred dollars, and then the twenty threes are selling by themselves for like fifty dollars. Yeah. <laughs> the disparity in them shits was terrible. You know, the ones I also had, I had the five and eighteens, and yeah. I bought the five eighteen pack because I wanted the fives. But I, it, it was the first time I bought a pair of eighteen, and I'm gonna tell you what, eighteens are a very underrated pair of George, bro. I love the eighteens. Eighteens. I just know that you can get them off in twenty twenty. I, th- but see, the thing is, like. The 18s and the 8s have a very specific, like, they kind of cuff around your ankle a little bit. Yeah. You can get away with wearing some slim jeans with them shits. I believe so. I personally believe so. And it's, it's the 18s have a little bit more of a sleek kind of, like, fit to it. Yeah, because there's a thing on top. Yeah, exactly. And, and the, the laces are hidden behind that shit. So you can make that shit work. Mm-hmm. Like, but the other shoes, 17, I think I got a pair of 17s from the uh, from trophy club, from a trophy room. At the trophy room 17s. Mm-hmm. Those are the only pair of 17s I have, and I only got those because that gray gold look cold on anything. But outside of that, I agree with you on that. I need to probably find some baggy jeans and them shits, some FUBU platinum for that shit. <laughs> <laughs> sevens, for sure, bro. Them sevens, for sure, them shits is baggy shit. Uh, I'm telling you, I sold majority of my closet just for the new stuff because I'm not wearing that old stuff no more. I'm not, I can't. I saw my Olympic sixes, Olympic uh, sevens. I had Olympic sevens from like 2004. I sold them the Damn. other day. I sold a bunch of stuff. Sold my Columbia elevens. Everything had to go. I, but I, I agree with you that on the, like I don't buy that many Jordans anymore, and very much buying a lot more running shoes, like them uh, them React Prestos. Those are my favorite, just casual shoes to rock, man. Because mm-hmm. they cozy to just run around or just like go around and. Walk around the city and shit, and they just go with everything. You can wear some joggers with that shit. You can wear some jeans, some shorts. Like they're just very versatile in that kind of space. And it's like again, especially in Rona, ain't no reason to be wearing all these different fucking shoes. But these are the last pair of shoes I bought. I don't even know why I got these shoes, but I got them at Dad BBs. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So that's, got, a, that's a very expensive shoe, ain't? Hey, you know what I'm saying? Shout out to the plug. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, <laughs> I got I got two auto lacing shoes. I got these and I got the that auto max that came in the infrared colorway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like those. Like, yeah, I like these too, man. It's like I I feel like yes, they are very expensive, and I feel like the technology in this shit would be very much outdated in like two years. Mm-hmm. But something about it in this moment, I could see this shit kind of aging well. If that makes sense, where it does look blocky now, and there probably will be a space and time in ten years where you're like, oh, this shit was cool. Yeah, well, somebody's gonna pay for it. Exactly. So that's. But I, I plan on rocking these. I think at some point, whenever it's, you know. You haven't worn them yet. Nah, nah. nah. They just they came out like two weeks ago, bro. Yeah. Oh, you ain't been nowhere. I get. It. I get. It. I ain't been nowhere. <laughs> Not a there, bro. <laughs> nowhere. Before we get out of here, the name of our show is called Pay It Forward. Mm-hmm. So we, Master, we want you to pay it forward. By telling us who you think would be a good guest on our show 
And how can you hook us up with that interview? Damn. Who would be a good guest on your show? Um, y'all know, uh, y'all know LeJethro Jenkins? Yes, I know John. You, you got you to name somebody else because we got that already. God damn, bro. Ah, fuck. Uh, shit. What about my dog, Lo- Logan Murdoch? Logan Murdoch. On the ringer. Y'all know him? No. That's the homie, bro. He out in the bay. He cool as fuck, man. That that motherfucker got next. If he ain't got now already as it is. He he great people. He was coming to Warriors up for uh, NBC Bay Area. Uh-huh. Um doing his thing, man. And then just got picked up by the ringer. That interview that went that went crazy everywhere with Danny Green talking about how LeBron's gonna take all the time off and shit like that. Yeah, that was him. <laughs> He he was interviewing that shit with Rajah Bill. Yeah, he the motherfucker with the the tie dye hoodie on with some glasses and shit like that. He just be chilling. He be cooler. You you can you hook that up for us over here to uh, oh, pay yeah. for it? Oh, that's, oh, yeah. that's, that's what I'm talking about, man. It, it, the title about. makes a whole lot more sense now. I'm over here thinking like pay it for like am I am I gonna have to get somebody some coffee or some shit? Like pay for the next <laughs> person or some shit like that. Like Wait. I thought it was gonna be like I didn't know if it's gonna be like a, a verbal oath I gotta make. Like I'm paying it for by doing my civic duty as a black man, like Nah, it's getting a guess. I got y'all. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's not what it I have means. One last question before you break out. You know, we have one last question. Last question. If you had to take one lesson from each parent, each parent, right? One lesson. What would it be? One lesson from each parent. Yeah. Like my mom and my dad. Mom and or dad. Hmm. That they taught you, that stuck with you in the back of your mind, front of your mind, throughout the entirety of your life. From my mom, my mom, like, I think it's more so just observing them. You know what I'm saying? That I feel like I learned the, the most lessons from both of them. And my mom is just seeing how she treats everyone with so much kindness. And just, I think that for me kind of rubbed off on me. Because even like she even acknowledged it when I was 16 and started working and was working with her actually in TGI Fridays, where she works at. Um, I just learned a lot in terms of just how outgoing she was, you know what I'm saying? Just how nice she was, you know what I'm saying? Just like how everyone just really respected her because of like, you know, she she would go and be above and beyond in terms of what she did. And uh, I just had a great deal of appreciation for that because. Uh, literally everywhere you go, everybody loved my mom, bro. She 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 really be holding it down for a lot of folks. So I feel like I learned that from my mom in terms of just like the importance of just being kind to people, just looking out for them, and just taking an extra step and just checking in on them, seeing how they're doing, and in little ways that I feel like a lot of people don't even do. But it was natural to me because I saw my mom always doing just checking in on folks. Um, my dad, <laughs> my dad a hustler, man. Um, <laughs> I think I think one of the things he always says that always sticks out to me because uh, you know he had a he had a very difficult path came to this country when he was in '84 and found a way when there really wasn't a way and uh, he would always tell he still tells his white coworkers to this day he's like y'all lucky I'm working with y'all here because <laughs> he's, like, he's like y'all gotta understand this you were born in this country and you were born to speak English. I wasn't born here and no one taught me English until I came here. And we're both in the same position. So have and he always tells him this. He's like, so think about this, okay? If I was born in this country, I'd be president of the United States. 
And that's how my dad really feels about this shit. Because he thinks that America is just like a lot of this shit is just cookie cutter shit. And so, but I think it speaks to the testament just his ambition and drive that like, you know what I'm saying? Like really just pursuing those things and the opportunities that are available now in this country that, you know, for people like him wasn't available. And that kind of reminder for me is always prevalent in terms of the ambition and drive that I have is like, man, keep this shit pushing. Like Larry June be saying, keep going. You know what I'm saying? My dad always be saying, keep going. That same kind of tone and mentality. So it's, that's, I think, the biggest thing I'll take away from my dad. Mm, thank you for sharing. I really do appreciate that. For sure, man. For sure. Master, thank you for joining us. You can tell the people hey, where sure, to man. find you. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Catch me on Twitter, Master T-E-S. Catch me on Instagram, Master underscore Tesfatian, T-E-S-F-A-T-S-I-O-N. TikTok page coming soon, I think. So we'll be on there here pretty soon. So, <laughs> you going to be in there dancing? Hell no. Nah. Doing the Jason Derulo's? Nah. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to be doing yet, bro, but I see these COVID cases rising, and I know I need something else to do around this crib, so fuck it. Gonna be <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate y'all, man. It's a good time, man. Appreciate it, man. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Good All right, bro. Y'all stay up. Yes, sir. Take it easy, man. Man, that, that was good. That was pretty fun. Always appreciative of uh, really, really, really cool guests. Guests that are just down to earth, easy to talk to, and that that have nothing but knowledge to share with us. That was that was it. I, I like that. Thank, shout out the master, bro. Hey, he paid yeah. it forward. He got our next guest. Listen, definitely paid it forward. Shout out to master. Huge, huge shout out to master. And um, shout out to one of our listeners, uh, Kiki. That's her name. She um. She suggest she gave us a suggestion that we need to work on that we need to keep on going after the guest leaves and talk about it. So thank you for growing with us, people, and we're everybody's paying it for. We're still growing. We're still doing. Oh good. yeah, we're still getting better. You know, we we'll, we're still here for the constructive criticism. Uh, thank you for the support. Thank you for the listens. If you have any questions that that you may want our, us to ask our future guests, please by all means share it. All right, y'all, that was episode six, and we are out of here. Peace in the Middle East. Peace. Pay it forward. Ching, ching. Oh, yeah, be a nice person. Pay it forward. Ching, ching.